Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good Friday, football Friday morning here on Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. And, John, it seems like we're talking about the newest Eagle on a day-in, day-out basis here, or at least since they lost their first game of the year against the Commanders on Monday. A very familiar name to even the most casual of Birds fans. Yeah, big name, baby. Big name, Jody. And Dominican Sue joins the flock. Uh, was was fairly surprised that Linval Joseph was an addition earlier in the week, but after the way the commanders ran the football, I guess I shouldn't have been. But once you add Joseph, well, then of course they're not going to be talking to Dominican Sue. They got more than enough defensive tackles, even though some of them aren't healthy yet. Here we are, and Dominican Sue, the newest Philadelphia Eagle. What does this say about the Eagles' defensive uh, tackle position? Well, it says a number of things. I think most notably it says, uh, well, the Eagles are all in. I mean, they realize the championship window's open and they're going for it. So that's the positive. Uh, it indicates that they're not as high on 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 certain players as maybe we thought. Uh, that's part of it as well. Um, and And maybe the injuries are a little bit more serious than expected. Uh, I'll throw that in the mix as well, because again, you talk about everyone assumed high ankle sprain. Jordan Davis will be back after four games. Well, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, yeah. high ankle sprains are, you know, sometimes you have to have surgery for those things. So maybe it's a little bit more um, serious than we expected. 
And Marlon Tui Peloto, I don't know. The Eagles continue to say they love him as a player. I, you know, it was kind of a murky injury. Nobody really knows what happens happened yet. But it tells me, look, they're they're not confident when Marlon's out there, nor should should they be. Uh, Marvin Wilson from the practice and Milton Williams as well. They're not confident when those players are out there. The Milton Williams one surprises me a little bit. But let's, you got to be honest. I mean, it's it's evident that they don't, they don't think he's ready uh, to perform at the level they want for the snaps they need him for right now. And that's why it, it, the Joseph signing makes sense to me because they need the nose tackle. We talked about a lot to run what they want to run, the real nose tackle. And that's what he is. And we'll see how much he's got left in the tank. Sua surprises me a little bit, and and that's the one. They've been talking to him for a while. That wasn't an overreaction to one game. They've been talking to him for a while. Um, they have so many guys who are most comfortable playing three technique. I, I mean, Fletcher, Javon, Milton, and now Indomitian Sue. I mean, obviously, they have to play other positions and other techniques. I don't know. A little bit strange to me, the Sioux one. Um, but, but hey, they're going all in. There's nobody who can deny that. You can't question their commitment to try and win a championship this year. You hope that that's the case every year, but there are degrees to it. And certainly they have pushed all their chips into the middle of the table with their signings over the last couple of days, bringing guys in that haven't been playing that have been Pro Bowl-level players. I and mean, Dominican Sue was, uh, certain years, you might even say, thought to be the best defensive tackle in the National Football League. Remember the all-decade team in the 2010s. I mean, this was a big, big-time player. Agreed. Big-time player. Um, and he hasn't, he certainly contributed when Tampa won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, the last last year, not as much. Okay, uh, the Eagles spits in the playoffs, Jody. Had a big game. Did. Played very well against the Eagles in the postseason. Um, here's the question I have about the guys that uh, will be losing snaps when these guys get up to speed. Which, by the way, Linval Joseph, there for practice yesterday. He participated, which you can't say about all the Eagles, and we'll get to their uh, injured list for a walkthrough uh, in just a second. But I uh, got a chance to at least see him. Do he look like a guy who's going to be ready to actually oh, yeah. hop on the go. roster and play? He's ready to go. Um, he's going to play. I don't know if Sue's going to play because he got here so late, uh, and they barely practice on Friday. He'll be there today. He was not there yesterday. Um Linball's 335, he told me, um, and he looks well for 335. I mean, he's not one of – he's a lot like Jordan Davis when you say he's 340, but he doesn't uh, look 340. Just a big, big man. Jonathan Gannon knows him from their time together in Minnesota when he was a really, really dominant player. Uh, Jason Kelsey uh, speaks so highly of him, has for years, played him twice a year when he's with the Giants a bunch with uh, Minnesota called him the strongest player he's ever played against. And that was his reputation uh, around the NFL in this prime strongest player in the league. Um, he He's going to play and he's going to play right away. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was trying to come up with this and the best I can come up 
analogy wise is is the NBA buyout market, which sort of took off whatever 10, 15 years ago. It's been for a while. But the difference is those guys have been playing. But you have these veteran players, Linball and, and Dominican Sue, who I, as I said yesterday on the show, made a boatload of money. And they don't want to play for the veteran minimum. And they're 34, they're 35. I mean, you know how this league, Jody, looks at over 30 players. They're like, we got to move on. We got to get younger. We got to do this. Eagles usually uh, handle their business in that way. They've kind of put that on the back shelf this week. Yeah, because now they're contenders. So I think, you know, the Eagles pride themselves on being uh, on the forefront of things, of being ahead of the curve. And I think you're going to see this more and more with aging players. Uh, just biding their time because they're 17 games. Everybody makes a big deal about that. They don't want to get banged up. They're going to look, they're going to survey the situation. They're going to pick the contender and they're going to play the second half of the season. I think this is going to start being a trend. Uh, Now Sue got, I'm told more than a veteran minimum. Um, We'll see how much more. Um, So these guys don't want to play for that. They don't want to go through the grind. they They've been through that. And then if you could pick and choose a contender and go get a ring, I think this is going to start being a thing. We'll we'll see. And I think the Eagles pride themselves on being at, at the forefront of things like that. But they don't want to pay older players in this league. And that, as I said, Sue specifically, he dominated the Eagles in the playoffs last year. I mean, nobody can tell me. He can't play. That's the best offensive line in football, the Eagles. And he dominated them. Nobody can tell me he can't play, but he's 35. Nobody wants to pay a guy he's 35. So it's it's this weird sort of disconnect. But I think I think he could still play. I think Linball can still play. Played well with the Chargers last year. Um, but we'll see. I mean. Is it just a coincidence that we're talking about two defensive tackles that both chose the Eagles as the team to join with a uh, Super Bowl possibility? Wouldn't we have seen other guys if this is uh, your new reality theory in the NFL? Aren't there some other veteran guys that are sitting around waiting to have an opening on a team? Yeah, I mean, the first thing thing I thought about was Gronk because they need a tight end more than they need a defensive tackle. Maybe, you know, maybe they can convince him uh, to come out of retirement, go after another ring. Um, and then there's the Jared Cooks of the world, a little bit lesser. I'm surprised they haven't gone out and got a tight end. But today's another day. Maybe they do, Jody. Maybe they do. Yeah. Um, but, but I said the Eagles, I said from this point forward, I think the Eagles might be creating a new trend going out and and, and, and getting these guys. If you're a contender, look, if they're not a contender, you're not going and bringing in a 35-year-old guy, a 34-year-old guy. you got to be a significant contender, and then you go, all right, got to go for this. So I think it's it's a very small, narrow window. I mean, the bad teams aren't going to want these players. Sure. Um, so it's, it's, it's only contenders. You know, the other contenders probably haven't thought of it. Uh, you know, and maybe now they start thinking about it. 
right, so Howie the Roseman buyout bug, and that's why smarter I bring out, than everybody else in the world. Well, he typically is. Uh, the buyout, well, not not in the world. The buyout market, what didn't exist in the NBA until it did. Now it's an accepted part of that uh, of that sport. It never existed, and all of a sudden it popped up, and now everybody does it. I, I mean, I could be completely wrong. I was trying to come up with an analogy. But again, and Dominican Sue can play. I know he can play. I saw he could play at the end of last season. Up front, in personal, I was there. He he was a pain in the you-know-what in that game. So I, I see teams playing this league every week. I see the Eagles who are the best team in the NFL. There's some pretty crappy defensive tackles they were trotting out there as 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 reserves, even though they think they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, so he's not playing. Why is he not playing? Because he can't get the contract he wants. Why, why can't he get the contract he wants? Because he's 35. It's not it's not a meritocracy. It's he's, he's old and they don't want to pay him. Understood about the NFL's overall take on veteran players and what their worth is and the like, and you just don't have meeting of mind. And a guy can sit out. Uh, the thing that just surprises me is the Eagles made the same move for the same. Well, it's, it is and it isn't the same position. Defense tackle, defense yeah, tackle, but yeah. uh, nose tackle is different from what in Dominican Sue plays. So it's not really the same position. Uh, but you have to like the fact that they are signifying, hey, we're going to all costs. We're pulling out all the stops. But it does not bode well for either Marlon and or Milton Williams. Uh, they can talk the talk all that they want. But after uh, Jordan Davis goes down and two weeks of watching what the guys were asked to do, and in some places, in some uh, situation, probably has to do things that aren't their strengths, but that's what you, if you're a uh, young guy in the league, still playing on your first contract, that's what you got to do. You got to show flexibility. You got to show the ability to do different things. The fact that the Eagles made these two signings these last couple of days does not bode well for either of those young DTs on the Eagles. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I, like I said, the injury complicates things with uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu, but uh because uh, I don't know the significance of it. Uh, but, you know, if if you look at uh, pro football focus, he, he's he's not graded out well from a uh, film standpoint. Uh, I think he's 91 of maybe 113, 114, somewhere in that range. Um, and Milton hasn't been effective as well. Uh yeah, I, and I think Milton, now Milton had a knee injury early, and I think that affected him. He played through it, um, but I think it tells you a lot. I'm with you, uh, Jody. And I, I thought they would give. I thought they would give Milton a longer rope. I thought they would. I thought he's got upside. I thought he he started playing a little bit better. I thought they'd give him a longer rope, but maybe they're like, you know what? We still have him uh, under contract. We got to go try win a Super Bowl. We got to go in a different direction. We'll restart the process next year. I guess is the thought. Is the thought. I'll make a prediction for you right now. And 
Uh, Marlon uh, played right up until the end of the game the other night against the Commanders. And then we find out afterwards he's got an injury, not only an injury, an injury that is significant enough that they can put him on injured reserve, which means he's missing a minimum of four games. Oh, I'll predict right now. Marlon's missing the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You, you, you will mean, not I, see yeah. Marlon uh, in a game for the Philadelphia Eagles again this year because even if he recovers from the injury he has for roster purposes, he's not going to see the field again because of the two signings that they just uh, made with uh, Joseph and with the Dominican Sue. Yeah, uh, Marlon, take your time rehabbing, big guy, because you're not going to be back in Eagle Green. All right, J-Mac, before we punch up our first guest and uh, John Barchard uh, from the uh, podcast, Bell and the Bird going to join us coming up in just a couple. Um, Indianapolis, come Sunday. We're, we're, we're very focused on the Eagles and their roster and the moves that they're making and how committed they are to winning a championship. Oh, by the way, they're going to have to stop Jonathan Stewart, uh, uh, Jonathan Stewart, uh, Jonathan Taylor running the football this week. I uh, watched Derrick Henry last night on Thursday Night Football, who's only two weeks away, kind of run through the Green Bay Packers last night. Taylor, uh, the leading rusher in the National Football League. How are the two new signings going to improve what has been an area of weakness for the Birds the last three weeks in stopping the run this week against the Colts in Indy? Um, you know, I think you can stop the run if you want to stop the run. So I think the whole – I've been talking about this a lot. I think the whole – uh, thought process of the Eagles is get players in so they can play their light boxes. It, it's, you know, you're giving up something to do something and they need better players that can hold up uh, when they're playing their, their light boxes because they want to play the, the zone coverage on the back end. They want to limit the explosive plays. That's the whole thought process. Um, how he's on board with it, how he approved it, Evidently thinks they need guys who can hold up better. Um, and we'll see if Lindball Joseph can do it. We'll see if Dominican Sue can do it. Um, they'll be in the mix. I think Joseph more quickly than Sue. Um, but I, I, I think they, they've clearly identified. Um, they're not changing their philosophy of trying to play as many light boxes as possible to limit as many explosive plays in the passing game. Jonathan Gannon said it again on Thursday, the quickest way to get beat in this league is the ball going over your head. He has said it, I think, 157 times since he's gotten here. Um, maybe someday people will listen to what he's saying, but that's their belief. Now, if you want to argue their belief system is wrong, I think that's a more valid argument. I can have that argument, but they're not going to change that belief system. And they're not gonna they're not gonna mix it, and that's why they're bringing in players that they think can better handle what they need them to do up front. I th I don't think you even have to have the debate. Just judge the results. The results this past week not good. The Washington Redskins were able to move the football down the field, hold on to the ball, control the clock, keep the Eagle defense on the field, and win the football game. So the results are the only thing that matters. The previous eight weeks, even though a couple of weeks, including the week before against Damian Pierce, uh, making a rookie running back look like uh, Jim Brown, they won the game. So you can complain about the fact that the, uh, the, the uh, Texans ran it as well as they did. The Eagles will be okay with that. They look at the stat sheet and then go to the top and circle Eagles with more points. Yeah, that's kind of the most important stat. And you can get if you can get away with it, 
If you can play a defense and say, hey, we're just not giving up big plays. You want to beat us, you're going to have to take your time and beating us. That's okay. As long as you win the game, you got to be on the long end of the score at the end of the game. This past week against the commanders, they didn't. So if they're going to stick to their guns, the philosophy is the most important thing. Okay, fine. Then you just judge the results. You judge the wins and the losses. It's that simple. They won eight and only lost one, but the one kind of feels a little bit more because you remember the most recent result, and that's a loss against the commanders. We'll see what it, uh, if, if the, Colts can do what the commanders did, which is control the game, control the clock, uh, be able to uh, put points up and uh, keep the Eagles uh, in chase mode throughout the game. Then, yeah, there's going to come. There are going to be more questions for Jonathan Gannon this week. But if they win the game, I don't I don't care about how many yards they give up. Well, the irony is they were better stopping the run against Washington than Houston. So, you know, I, I do think people are. Like, I think the biggest issue, Washington now having rewatched the game, having thought about it, I think the biggest issue was third downs on defense. I think that the ineffectiveness of the offense uh, contributed. Um, you know, if you give up 3.1 yards per carry and the longest run you give up is 11 yards, that's what you're supposed to do in the NFL. That's what you're supposed to do. But I think this narrative, because of the time of possession, has kind of spread like wildfire but i mean that had to do with bad third down play bad play on the back seven bad communication because they'd run for three they'd run for three then they convert on third down they couldn't get off the field and then the offense couldn't stay on the field exacerbating it more and more and more and all of a sudden you have 83 plays on defense and that's what you know one of the things i said about how easy did he overreact to one bad game? And 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 the Eagles insisted it was in the works before that. So they insisted they didn't overreact to one bad game. But, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. Take it for what you will. Well, we know that they've got a couple of new DTs. And will they be effective right here in week number one? We're going to have to wait for Sunday to uh, find that out. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, Birds 365. J-Mac's going to get out now. Number two, going to get over. And uh, Coach Giuliani, you'll probably have some things to say about the newest Eagles. And maybe, just maybe. Yeah, no, I doubt it. Uh, give us a clue as to how much they're going to be able to contribute in game number one. Oh, no, the coach likes his competitive advantage too much. Uh, so, John will be heading over. Anyway, uh, Barrett Brooks going to join me in hour number two. Scheduled to join us next is John Barchard, uh, old running mate of mine from WIP, co-host of the Bell and the Bird podcast. He's scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. 
This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he got John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and we see John Barchard there, yeah. uh, host of the uh, co-host Fell in the Bird podcast. I think he turned his radio down. Hello, John Barchard. How the hell are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm man. doing doing great, guys. How are you? Doing good, John. I love I love the confidence for people who can do this in their cars. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm not driving at the same time, too. So I just want to make everybody aware of that as well. But on the road to Indy, fellas. So hopefully yeah. uh, it's not a gash of uh, Jonathan Gannon for 250 yards or something crazy like that. Well, now we got every defensive tackle o- under the sun, John. How fired <laughs> up are you? And Dominic and Sue, Linval Joseph, the big name trap. Big names. Man, if this was 2013, I think we'd all be fired up. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, to me, I think it's. I, you know, it's what you're supposed to do. I mean, you lost two D tackles in the meantime. You need to stop. You need to do something about the running game. I don't care what they say, what the analytics are telling us. Like Jordan Davis not being there has matters. So, um, oh, yeah. I, I will take anything to kind of like make sure that uh, basically the offense can get back on track because that's that's what happened in Washington. And um, you you need to make uh, make them you know some negative plays here, and hopefully they can uh, provide that for them. Do uh, we read into this at all that maybe Jordan Davis isn't going to be back in a couple of weeks? IR means four weeks. The Eagles are rather secretive about information on the uh, severity of injuries and I mean, we what have timelines look like. Defensive line. How much does this uh, signify to you that 
Come yeah, on. Jordan Davis might not be back in a couple weeks. Okay. Excuse me. Yeah, I think this is is a part of that. I also think it's a big, big reason that, like, you know, I mean, Fletcher Cox has not been playing that well on top of that. Um, and we saw that if you get him into a really bad situation in 70 snaps, like, uh, I think some of this is on him as well. But, but yeah, I do think this is a, a little bit about Jordan Davis in the timeline, and you don't want to rush him back, especially if his he's going to meet, like, the, the Titans, and that's going to be his first game. You know, that's a, that's a lot to kind of take on with uh, Derrick Henry, especially what we what I caught of last night anyway. It still seems like, you know, he's uh, still pretty ferocious. So, um, I, I, I don't – what do you guys think? I don't, I don't think it's that much of an indictment on Jordan Davis's uh, injury or anything. I think it's just uh, the D tackles haven't been playing that great collectively all year, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was – my first thought, John, was – was a little bit of an overreaction to one bad game. Now, you know, I ran that up the flagpole at the Novacare Complex. They insisted it wasn't. Uh, they'd been talking to Sue for a longer period of time. So that was ev evidently in the pipeline for at least a little bit. Now, Linball was there. He said the Eagles contacted him a couple days ago. So that tells me that that's an impact of the game they just saw. And I think they do need a legitimate nose tackle. So the Limbaugh Joseph signing makes a little bit more sense to me than the Indomitian Sue signing because, you know, Fletcher's a three technique. Javon Hargrave's most comfortable there. Milton Williams, who I thought was a young player they liked, but now I'm not so sure, is most comfortable in that position. I don't know. I, I I think it was a little bit of an overreaction to one bad game. I mean, the big, the larger sample plot size is eight and one with the third ranked defense in the NFL. I mean, those are the raw numbers. Yeah. And the, the Sioux thing to me is a little, I mean, I don't think it's strange, but it's, they've been, it feels like they've been talking about him in some regard yeah. for like two off seasons now or linked here. Like yeah. maybe he was going to come here instead of Tampa the year before, but um, uh, I, I don't know if it's necessarily an overreaction or not. And that's something that like, we're going to have to find out because if Sue still has a, a good amount of juice left, uh, and he can rotate with Fletcher Cox, you know, with that, if that's Joseph or when that's Davis, when he gets back and they can have, uh, you know, better pass rushing in between, uh, their, their two prime defensive tackles. Now, I guess we can say, um, then I think that is a plus, but, uh, yeah, I kind of feel a little bit like you, Jody, like this was a big, like overreaction, uh, over, but we'll call it two bad running run defense games, I guess. Yeah. John, you just said you thought that Fletcher Cox didn't play real well the other night. I've been saying for three days now that I didn't think Fletcher Cox played very well the other night. John again yesterday said, oh, Fletcher Cox played great the other night. We just had him out there for too many snaps. We're asking him to do a little bit too much. Well, that kind of counts, and that goes into the grade, and I don't think I'll stand by. I don't think Fletcher Cox played very well. Uh, these new signings, no, certainly in Dominican no, when he gets up to speed, will be cutting into those uh, defensive snaps that Fletcher has to play. Um, our, uh, th this is all about the rest of this season, including a playoff run. Are we seeing the end of the Fletcher Cox era here in Philadelphia? Absolutely. Uh, and to me, um, you were trying to make that happen last year, right? Like, uh, I, that's kind of part of, like, seeing Jordan Davis being so good is, you know, he made us forget that 
he completely uh, Fletcher Cox and Jonathan Gannon like probably hate each other still you know like it is oil and water in terms of what they want to do or at least what I think Jonathan Gannon wants to do and I know he's being killed this week rightfully so I think everybody on the defense should be but like that is still a humongous impasse for this defense in my opinion I don't know if that was Jeffrey Laurie or Howie Roseman demanding that Fletcher Cox had to be back here but like clearly they're trying to steer away from a lot of a lot of four three anything you know and that I think that that's what Fletch has been comfortable with his entire career, um, and he's not a guy that's going to grip up you know guards and centers in two gap and you know make these these linebackers flow to where I think Jonathan Gannon wants him to and it's vastly different from Houston and Indy when you're seeing a lot of linebackers catch running backs you know instead of attacking them they're just kind of waiting and sitting back T.J. Edwards I would say has been kind of flat-footed the last two weeks in that regard as well. So I just don't think that their 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 philosophies line up, and I don't think Fletch is going <laughs> to learn anything new. So this is, this is I, again, I think why they're bringing in these two different guys so you can get the looks that Jonathan Gannon wants out of this uh, defense as well. Yeah, I definitely think Fletch would be more comfortable with Jim Swartz. But you, you said something uh, interesting, John, and I agree with you. Jonathan Gannon has been taking – significant hits all week that's fine i mean you lose a game the way they lose a game but i do think the offense has kind of gotten a pass in that game and the offense was they contributed heavily to what went on with the three and outs the turnovers even if you want to um mix in obviously they missed the call on dallas goddard still this team had been plus 15 they'd been the uh, the best ball security so. team in the NFL. Um, and they start turning the football over too many three and outs. And Oh, by the way, John, my biggest criticism of the, of the offensive coaching staff was not realizing what was going on. In other words, when your defense is struggling and are they're on the field for 14, 15 plays and you come back out, you're running tempo and you go three, three and out. Like your Chip Kelly, the snowball starts going down the hill. Do you think the offense got too much of a pass for the poor performance against? But uh, it's yeah, I I actually think they get too much of a pass in general, uh, even with their their good games. You know, I'm still a little confused on like the rhythm and the timing and who's doing those decision makings in terms of like, all right, Nick's gonna throw, we're gonna go tempo here and we're gonna roll with this, or is that like what they think Jalen is comfortable with or what Jalen's told them they're comfortable with? So. There's, it seems like that that is um, a, a big part of why we're talking about the defense so much this week. I agree with you, John. Like, there's, um, it's sloppy. Uh, the turnovers speak for themselves. But in terms of, like, I don't know. I even suggested if, if they're playing the Colts this week, so it's on everybody's mind. But if Frank Reich wants to come and hang out here for the rest of the year, I think they need him. They need him. I, the, the explosiveness is there. The analytics are telling us that this is offense is just as good as Buffalo or the Chiefs, but like, I don't know, it doesn't flow like them. It doesn't dominate like them it, uh, all game, at least. So, I, yeah, I think there's there's some tinkering to do, despite all the awesomeness that it's provided from AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts' year and all that. I was going to say, who on offense do you believe is underachieving right now? Uh, Shane Steichen. <laughs> I think there's I think there's just way too much talent here to have blimps on the radar your second year into this offense. Everyone seems to be more comfortable. And, and going back to John's point about why everybody's killing Jonathan Gannon, like 
the defense has looked the most comfortable with the most moving pieces of it with new additions, injuries, and whatever it is. It seems pretty consistent. It doesn't seem like the offense is as consistent. It's getting to like nitpicky territory because again, it's an eight and one football yeah. team. But if you're going to like identify a struggle, I don't think this offense moves as well as its superstars do. Now, yeah, and, they have and there have John, been lulls. John, John, just quoting, John was quoting the overall numbers on the defense. Overall numbers on the offense? What number, number three? Yeah. Number, number three, three in the league? Yeah. yeah. And and you count that as underachieving, huh, John? <laughs> well, for people's expectations, absolutely. But we're in when we're in Whose expectations were higher that the Eagles are gonna be top three offense in the league before <laughs> the year started. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody thought that other than myself and Vince Quinn for the record. But uh I, I think that there is still like a, a a patch of ice if you're talking about like can they beat uh, an AFC Super Bowl team, there, there's still a little work to do, I think, because, you know, small stuff. That's all I mean. Yeah. Well, people have talked about the second half lulls all season. The impressive thing, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm, I think the offense has performed. And if, if, to answer Jody's question, like who was underachieved player-wise, I don't think anybody. Maybe Jordan Mailata, but that's injury-related. Um and obviously he's playing through a, a very difficult shoulder problem. Uh, he might be the only player. Right this very second. I think Miles Sanders has had a career season. Uh, Jalen Hurts has obviously turned the corner, has become a franchise quarterback. Maybe Devontae Smith, uh, had, had, you know, but I think he's in a different role. And now maybe he's got to step up a little bit uh, with Dallas Goddard being out. But that's who I want to talk about, John. Because I think that is the best pure football player on the Eagles. I think if you if you told me, obviously quarterback's more important, but if you told me who's just the best at what he does, I would put Dallas Goddard number one. And I think more important than that, because you can make the arguments for certain other players, the Eagles have a lot of good players, the biggest drop-off from starter to backup to me is Dallas Goddard to Jack Stoll or Grant Calcaterra or Tyree Jackson, whatever you want to go. Why is Howie calling defensive tackles? Why is he not calling Rob Gronkowski if you want to bring a veteran in here? Yeah, well, uh, well, because Goddard is going to be back in, what, four weeks more than likely? I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You might be right. They might still have to make a call to Gronk. So um, I think it's because – well, you guys tell me what you think of this. I think it's uh, Devontae absolutely needs to step up. But this is kind of where I envision Nick Sirianni going to Zach Pascal in this type of role. And it's totally not going to be the same because you're going to have to create probably a two or three headed monster to, to find Dallas Goddard's production again. But I would assume some of those tunnel screens, those bubble screens that they love to run, uh, love to run with Dallas um, is going to go through him. Um, and then from outside of that, yeah, like Jack Stoll's not. I actually, for some ridiculous reason, I thought Jack Stoll had a decent amount of targets this year, and he's dead like seven, nine, yeah. with four catches yeah. or something like that. So yeah. uh, it's, I, I think you're going to bring him in on 12 personnel to block. You're going to have Grant Calcaterra probably out on routes a lot of the time, and then we'll see where Tyreek Jackson fits in. I know it's been popular to be like, oh, yeah, he'll be right out there and no problem. He'll be the pass catcher, but let's see him do it in an NFL game first because he hasn't done that yet. So. All right. 
that's where I think it's going to end up. And I, I agree. This is my concern more or less. This is where it really comes. I might look like a fool with my offensive takes, but like Dallas Goddard has been an incredible yak guy and safety valve at the same time. So yeah, I'm, I'm very cautious that this offense might stall a little bit with him out of it. I uh, prediction out of both you two guys, which will we see more of? an extra tight end on the field or an extra wide receiver four wide outs with Zach Pascal on, or maybe even Zach Pascal replacing Quez Watkins, because what I'm scared of most about the absence of Dallas Goddard is his ability to block. And we know that uh, his original replacement should be able to do a decent job, not as good as Goddard. That is one of Pascal's strengths is blocking from the wide out position. Um, which do you think do we see more often, two tight ends or four wides? I personally think it's going to be more 12 personnel just because, like, they do need probably some extra help. Um, but maybe that will be determined on how how much, the you know, Jordan Mylotta and everybody else is going to be uh, shored up. But, I would, uh, John, I would say that's, that's probably going to be more 12 personnel than four wide. Yeah, uh, last one from me, John. I'll let you go so you can get to Indianapolis and hopefully the Eagles can get uh, back on the winning track and uh, host the Bell and the Bird. Everybody check out John's po- podcast with uh, Vince Quinn as well. Is that Vince in the background? Are you, do you got, are you guys doing dual shows at the same time? Somehow. It's actually uh, Sports Guy Jamie, uh, Philly Sports right. Guy, is along with us too. So the whole crew is going into Indy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what, when I look at this team and I look at the NFC, the team I'm most concerned with is San Francisco. What, what, what is the team that you think could, could on the, on a particular game day could maybe do the most to give the Eagles the trouble come playoff time? Yeah, that's mine, too, in terms of, like, immediate, just because of probably all the surface reasons we've been talking about this week. Kyle Shanahan and his running game. Um, I know that Christian McCaffrey's kind of been up and down ever since that trade, and they definitely overpaid. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's the only really big threat. Like, if they're in a, in a playoff run, uh, if they're the first game somehow in the divisional race, um, I'd be – that's probably it, though. Like, I'm not really concerned about – Dallas, I know the Vikings have been uh, the, the hottest new flavor uh, after beating Buffalo, uh, but Kirk Cousins is still Kirk Cousins to me. And if he's coming into Philadelphia at night or when it's going to get dark, that's not, that's not going to be an issue. So <laughs> um, I, I don't know, guys. Like, I just really don't see any big-time, like, no, scary no, team. Like, and still, nine weeks into the season, I still think we're figuring out with the NFC. Maybe the Seahawks? You know, like, I think that's another... Geno Smith, yeah, Geno. Kirk Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins, but Geno Smith's still Geno Smith, and Jimmy G's still Jimmy G. Uh, That's why you have to like the Eagles' chances. Uh, JB, great stuff. Make it safe and sound. Indy, thanks for jumping in with us today. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one, and uh, hopefully come back with a win. You got it. Thanks, John. John Bargert of the Bell and the Bird podcast here with us on Birds 365. Um, I know your San Francisco has been your team and more power to you. You're sticking to it. Um, just judging what we've seen so far, here's why I would rate the Vikings ahead of the 49ers for one very simple reason. And I know the Eagles just lost that Lincoln financial field the other night, but 
we believe that there is such a thing as home field advantage. The Vikings, if you got to play the Vikings in the postseason, you might have to go to Minnesota to do it. Yeah, that's a typical place to play. I don't have much fear that the 49ers are going to be able to catch no. and surpass the Eagles in the regular season standings. No, that's true. So any matchup between those two teams is going to be played in Philly's house. Yeah, I, I, but, you know, San Francisco beat Green Bay and Green Bay. They beat Dallas and Dallas last year. So they're accustomed to doing that as well. Um, but I hear you. I mean, I wouldn't want to play in Minnesota. That place gets loud, uh, and that place would be really loud in the playoffs. But I, with that team all year, and still, and I, I brought this up yesterday on the show. I still can't figure out why Dallas is favorite. What does that line tell you? You know, if we had Mikey Miss on, what does that line tell you? What the hell's going on? I, 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 I can't figure out that line to save my life. I, I don't know. I just don't believe in that team. It, you it think Cowboys not, are going to go in there and win again this week? I mean, Minnesota should win the game. The line scares me. I I'm I I think more of Kirk Cousins than John did. Like, I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's better than Geno Smith. Um, I think he might even be better than Dak Prescott. You're not allowed to say that, but I think he might be better than Dak Prescott. Um I, I, there's something about that team. And actually, it's the defense. I'll be honest. Yeah, defense, I, I don't like the defense. Plain and simple. I, I don't like the defense. And I don't like, and by the way, Eagles fans, listen to this very uh, uh, intently. They play the same defense the Eagles do. I don't like it. I don't like the scheme. I'm just telling you what the scheme is. I don't like it. And they don't have as good of players as the Eagles. And they're playing that same zone, light box. They just don't look good on defense. They don't look good. When, when you're playing Fangio's scheme, you better have Khalil Mack in his prime and Akeem Hicks in his prime, and then you're good. Then you're good. But when you don't have those guys dominating up front, and when I mean dominate, Jody, I mean whipping guys week in and week out defensive player of the year level. I don't like it. I don't like the defense. And I don't have a problem with the defense. Uh, There's a reason why as many teams in the league play it as do. It's because on a lot of levels in fronts, it works. Here's my only problem with it and specifically with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I've been saying it for a couple weeks now. There's no flexibility. That the, the best defense, a Super Bowl winning defense to me, should be able to throw a couple different things at you. That you're not married to, here's our system, we're going to run it, and you're not going to be able to beat it because we say so. Until a team comes out and does beat it. And then you have to have an adjustment ready. And Eagles adjustment is doubling down on what they do and how they do it. Oh, okay, until they continue to beat you with their offense the way that you're playing defense. I think you have to have uh, a little well, off. Uh, to the Eagles' credit, they're going out and trying to get players to play even now in, in week, what week are we in? Uh, 11. 11. Um, even now, they're trying to go out and get players to at least run the scheme. Like, I'd look at Minnesota, Harrison Smith specifically. 
that to me is the best safety of this generation. Um, aging player, he's not what he once was, but I think he's the best safety of this generation. Now, he played all over. Jonathan Gannon would talk about it, never stops talking about the guy. He played up, he played back. Now they got to play him cover two and quarters all the time. You're to me, you are you're taking one of the best players of the generation and you're making him more limited with the scheme. I don't like that. I there's something about it I don't like. And this is with the Eagles as well. There is something about the scheme I don't like. And and you know, that probably shocks people that don't listen because they think I'm I'm not defending it. I'm just telling you what it is. And I I actually agree with you. There's got to be more room for uh flexibility malleability flexibility yep. it, that, that there's got to be more room but the eagles have better talent on defense than minnesota so they're a little bit better at it minnesota doesn't have darius slay their best corner is an aging patrick peterson who's still playing well but you know he's got some limitations he's been playing for a long time uh their other corners are are, are struggling i think the eagles have had better linebacker play i don't think uh Eric Kendricks is another player who's been one of the better linebackers of his generation. Now they're not using him the same way he was used and he doesn't look good. Um, I don't like that. I don't think that's the way coaches should coach. So that it kind of sums up why I don't necessarily believe in the Vikings versus some other teams. Right. And uh, you and I have gone back on this all week. You're not necessarily saying that you are 100% signing on to what Jonathan Gannon is doing and the inflexibility the Eagles are showing. You're just saying, don't look for a change, Joe. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're digging in their heels. That's exactly. why Indomitian Sue is here. That's why Linval Joseph is here, because they're not going to be changing anytime soon. They believe in it. It is their core value, and they're not moving away from it, no matter how much I talk about it. Anybody else talks about it. You got to get a third linebacker on the field. You're just saying, I've been watching this team. I've been listening to the defensive coordinator. He ain't changing anytime soon. No matter how good an argument you make, Jody, it's not happening. The Eagles are more married to their system than they are uh, worried about results in any one given game. Yeah. And that's what, and, and to their, you know, I will say they believe in it. I mean, this is, they believe this is the way to get the results that you want they believe in it. That's why they're doing it. Um, but they've already made that decision. And that's why it's about getting, but that's what I like about the Eagles. At least they're trying to get personnel that fits what they want to accomplish, even at this late date. I think that's a positive. Um, and I think Howie Roseman is ahead of the game when it comes to that, but they believe in this again, Jonathan Gannon said it again this week quickest way to lose ball over your head by the way i agree with that but i i just think there's look if i have what the eagles have done well what howie roseman has done well is he's gotten players to fit this scheme chauncey gardner johnson very good at it uh kaiser white uh is a fit. jordan davis was a fit uh for what they want to do linball joseph is a fit. hassan reddick is a fit. They didn't have these players last year. So they want and get out players. They went and, 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 and got players. 
Now, Minnesota hasn't been running it as long. They're a year behind. So they have an opportunity to go get players that fit what they're running. Um, I just think it's a coach's responsibility to take advantage of the talent he has on hand. And when you have a potential future Hall of Famer, freaking use him like he, that has made him a potential future Hall of Famer. And that, I'm talking about Harrison Smith. No, and uh, let me add this to the mix. This won't go over well with uh, the organizational defenders who uh, think the Eagles uh, don't ever do anything wrong. The Eagles work less than most other teams in the NFL. I feel very uh, strongly about that. Now, does it have benefits? Have the Eagles been less injured? And I know there's a rash of injuries here over the last couple do i think that's because they practice less than everybody no uh, i'm not going to say see i told you so anybody can get hurt they have had less injuries than most other teams and if you want to attribute that in part to the fact that they work less get less practice time and okay fine what good young eagle players have they developed in the last two years john Last two drafts, guys the Eagles brought in, even if you want to add the undrafted players that they brought in, um, but guys who the Eagles uh, started their career in Philadelphia that they've developed over the last two drafts. That list would include who? Um, I mean, Milton is <laughs> – they just gave how's you that, – How's that playing today, the up-and-coming Milton yeah, Williams? They, they just gave you an indication that it didn't work. I, I would argue – you know, is Landa Dickerson, you know, I would argue Landa Dickerson is 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 the most uh, impressive right. yep. um, because he's turned into one of the best uh, guards in the league. But, you know, I give Nick Saban a lot of credit. I give Nick Saban a lot of credit for Devontae Smith. And I think Devontae's gone backwards. But I don't know if he's gone backwards as much as he's just not as, as relevant because they have A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. So he's turned from... Uh, one or one a to three. Now I think you'll see more about Devonte Smith without Dallas Goddard because he's got to be a, a true number two now. Um, so I don't necessarily know if he has gone backwards or it's just a, a victim of circumstance. Uh, Milton has clearly gone backwards. Zach McPherson, I, I've seen nothing from him. Good special teams player. Uh, Kenny Gainwell. That's gone backward. Marlon has actually gotten better, but he was so bad as a rookie. I mean, I don't know where you want, but they clearly don't believe in Marlon. Patrick Johnson is a seventh round pick. He's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they haven't, you haven't gotten to the guy that I'm making this whole argument for, and that's Nicobe Dean. And I think, oh, the... well, you know, I don't think as much about the rookies this year. I mean, Look, I mean, Jordan Davis is great, but again, what, I mean, what does that mean? He's supposed to be, you know, did they develop him? I, I don't, I don't, the same thing I said with Devontae and I give Nick Saban a lot of credit. I mean, Jordan Davis was, you know, if, if, if they can develop him when he gets back and he's playing more in four man fronts, then I'll give him credit. We already knew he could stop the run. So I don't know if I can give him credit for that. Uh, with Nicobe, look, he's just a rookie stuck behind players playing well. 
So I I can't kill him for that. So let let me turn let me turn it into a question. Do you believe part of the reason why Nicobe Dean isn't playing and that they're not even considering putting three linebackers on the field at any time is because they just don't know what they have. They haven't seen enough of them. They don't practice. Yesterday was walk through Wednesday with what? 13 guys on the injured list? No. They, they uh, didn't even have enough guys to walk yeah. through. Thursday they practiced for real. Thursday was sort of the Wednesday practice. Um, it, it comes down to just what I was talking about with Minnesota. They're running this scheme. The scheme needs two linebackers. He's the third linebacker. You know, if Kaiser gets injured or TJ gets injured, and I hope they don't, he'll play, and we'll see where he is. Same thing with Cam Jurgens. Well, nobody talks about Cam because he's behind Jason Kelsey. So everybody knows he's not playing. I think he's a good pick. I think he's going to be a good player. But I don't know. We'll see eventually when he gets an opportunity. Same thing with N'Kobe Dean. They're only going to play two linebackers. That's what I was talking about before with the, again, the comparison with the with the Minnesota defense. They're going to play this defense. And they're not going to put a third linebacker on the field. And again, don't give me a son, Reddick. Um, he's an edge rusher. Um, they're going to play this scheme, and they're going to play with the light boxes, and they're going to play with the quarters coverage and the and the and the changes on the back end with the zone coverage. You know, so I can't blame that on Nakobe. I think he can play. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I think he's essentially redshirting. Um, if if they need him because of injury, he'll play. And I think he'll play well. We'll see if they uh, if they stick to that. I'm with you, John. I understand the point you're making. They're just not going to show flexibility. As much as I may call for it, not happening. Jonathan Gannon is sticking to his way of doing things. I, I know you get, need to get over there to the complex. Still don't know uh, when you're getting out for India. Still do not know. Oh, by the way, since you maybe I'll know, you maybe I'll hop in with either. John Barcher. I was going to tell him to come back and pick yeah. me up. <laughs> Do you know what the weather's supposed to be like in Indy? I haven't checked. I'm, I assume it's going to be cold, but I I did. Someone told me it's not supposed to snow, so that's uh, not like that's not like snow. Buffalo, no. where they've well, already moved feet, the game no. from Sunday to Detroit because they're expecting three feet yeah. of snow in Buffalo four feet now four, four feet. yeah I was talking to Tyree Jackson yesterday he went to Buffalo um for those who don't remember his fiance still lives there I said that's a bad job by you man you got to get her out of there get before, her uh, out of there exactly yeah. I yeah. I've only been to Buffalo a couple of times in my life and it's one of the, the most amazing things I had ever heard of in my life with a friend staying at her house um she's calling her friend who lives less than 15 miles away and we're supposed to get together and she uh picked up the phone and said listen we need to to move up our date to, to meet our time to meet well why is that well we've already got nine inches of snow she lives in buffalo my friend lived in buffalo one side of the town or the other but on the different side of the lake extension i looked out the window there wasn't a flake to be found where we were at and she's on the phone with a friend who lives less than 15 minutes away and said, well, we've already got nine inches of snow here. How the hell could that be? A little yeah. different when you live on that big lake. Yeah, that, like, that lake effect snow is real. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, but thankfully, Indy uh, is far away from the okay. lake. I, I hope you don't get any snow. I hope you get out of Dodge. Uh, and hopefully you'll be back on Monday. You don't know yet uh, whether you will or won't be back on the show on Monday. Don't, I, don't know. I'll be back at some point, Jody. All right. Uh, hopefully. Well, we'll, hopefully. We'll keep the people informed about your status yeah. over the course of the weekend. J-Mac, thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, Jody. Big right, Barrett's up, here, too. Thanks, Barrett. Coming up next on Birds 365, Big B, Barrett Brooks, is going to join me. And about, oh, less than 20 minutes from now, uh, Bob Kravitz, who covers the Colts for the Athletics going to jump in give us uh, let let us go behind enemy lines a little bit give us some insight to the cults hour to go football friday here on birds 365 don't wait until after Thanksgiving for leftovers. It's the new leftover sales event at Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Jeff must get rid of hundreds of new 2022 vehicles on the lot. Rams, Grand Cherokees, Wranglers, Jeff has them all for less. Jeff has reduced prices and payments to the lowest they've been all year. And Jeff knocks down high interest rates, save thousands more than anywhere else. Plus, get more for any trade or lease return. You always win at Jeff's great selection, best price. Hurry in now. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Black Friday sales event. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean. University, our graduates are among the most highly trained in their profession because of our unique emphasis on research, interprofessional collaboration, and early clinical exposure. Learn more about our programs at salis.edu.
Hour number two on a football Friday here on Birch 365. Johnny Mack off to uh, South uh, Philly to get some insights from the coach. I've got some insights coming for the next hour from my buddy. Yeah, you got him right here on uh, Sports Take in the Afternoons on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And you also see him on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, our buddy Barrett Brooks, former Eagles offensive lineman. Big B, how you be? Good morning, good morning. I'm just sitting back watching how he do his thing, man. That's all. All right. Uh, first question is, we've seen the Eagles over the last couple of days sign some big offense uh, defensive linemen. Big guys. Uh, Linval Joseph, very big guy. Uh, and Dominican Sue, pretty damn big. Um, how big is Taryn Hatcher? <laughs> She's as big as a minute. That's what's big. She She's as big as a minute. <laughs> That's my girl. Taryn, Taryn's, um, Taryn's up and coming, riser in, 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 in the media, sports media right now. You know, she's doing a great job with me on, uh, you know, my shirt brewers huddle. Um, and you know, she's, she's doing her thing right now. So she broke in doing hockey. Now she's spreading her wings and doing everything now. Long, tall drink of water, too. She's got, yep. some, she's, she's got some legs on her. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Big B, I want to talk to you about big guys. Linval Joseph, they said he looked as svelte, 330 pounds today. Can you actually be svelte at 330 pounds? Well, uh, but maybe not as big as some people expect him to be, but he's just flat out big. We know that. He's stepping into some pretty big shoes, pardon the pun. Uh, with Jordan Davis and what he was able to give the Eagles in his uh, eight games here before uh, being felled by the injury. Is it that easy? Just plug and play and let him take up space on the defensive line and it cures the Eagles ills against the other team's ability to run the ball? Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's coming in really to fill um, Jordan's shoes. I think that really, jo yeah, Jordan's going to have to fill his shoes. We're talking about two veteran players that 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 are are pretty good, you know. That I mean they have a little longer than two, but they bring experience, and they're not asking them to play a whole bunch of downs. They're going to be asking them to play first and second down. The first first down has been the Achilles' heel of this Eagles team on the defensive side of the ball for the past year and a half. They um they let they let teams get out on them, you know. And, and once these teams, you know, start being on time what i mean by being on time once they're you know letting them get like five yards a pop you know three yards a pop you know and they run the ball twice now they're third and manageable and that's been the problem you can't put it's hard to play defense with third and manageable you're better off when you're at third and ten and and, and second and ten and they you know they had that the past eight weeks well i'm sorry not that past eight weeks the past seven weeks now teams have learned that all right this is what we're going to do we're going to run the ball keep their offense off the field, and that's how you beat this Eagles team. You cannot allow teams to stay on time in their offense by running the ball, getting, you know, people think the three yards is not a bad, you know, bad clip of, of yardage. It's, it's great because now you're, you know, three yards on first down, three yards on second down. Now we are third and manageable. It's, it's third and four now. And that your playbook is, is, is double the size it would be if it was third and ten. So that's been the problem. You know, it's too easy. Teams have been having third and one third and two and that's why the, you know the third round uh their third round percentage has been I mean a uh, third third down percentage has been so high they have been able to keep the ball going because they have the ball and, and and keeping the eagles off the field by you know 
converting these thirds downs. Third down is the money down in the National Football League. That's where you get paid. Absolutely. Uh, on both offense and defense. Um, all right, I want to jump over to the offense with you, and we'll certainly get back to the defense. And Bob Kravitz of The Athletic going to join us to talk Colts football in less than 15 minutes. Um, I know I, I saw you on NBC this morning saying this could be a big week for Jalen Hurts. They need it to be a big week for Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts uh, moved up to basically a tie position for the MVP in the NFL prior to this past week. And um, Tua went by him and Mahomes is the favorite as of right now, but he's third, which tells you how great a season he's he's having. I didn't think he was all that bad this past week against Washington. I know that uh, the commander dominated time of possession and ran that many plays. I think he did fine for the number of plays that he had this week against Indianapolis. If they can lessen the amount of time the Colts have the ball, you got faith that even without Dallas Goddard, Jalen Hurts could be sitting on a big game. It's time to get back to basics, back to doing what he does best. And that's being a, a weapon, not just, you know, what they understood what they were trying to do. They were trying to make him a pocket passer and not really make him a pocket. He can be a pocket passer. He's shown the capacity to read defenses. He can go out there and and pick an all, uh, a defense apart. But what's happening is they're going down and they're scoring at a fast clip. They're not holding the ball. They're not working the line of scrimmage. It's not always going down and scoring every single time. Sometimes you have to keep the ball out of the offense's hands, of the opposing offense's hands. So what? It, so what's going on is in the first half, it didn't seem like they were, um, you know, that that. You know, they only had the ball for six minutes and 11 seconds because every time they got the ball, they were going down. They were scoring, but they were just scoring too fast. You have to run the ball, keep the time possession on your side, keep the opposing offense off the field. That's how they were able to beat teams so handedly the first, you know, six or seven weeks of the season. The time possession is the key. Time possession is why this team has been so good. They would keep the ball so long, go down and score, and then all of a sudden – the, the opposing team was like, all right, we need to get the ball. We're, we got to hurry up and score because we don't have, you know, we, we don't have a lot of time left on the clock and put them in a hurry up situation. Now our defense is better when we're, when, when the team is having to throw the ball as opposed to letting them run the ball on us. They go hand in hand. All right. So uh, I, I think I get the point you're trying to make. And I just quickly looked up Jalen Hurts game by game stats Number of runs by Jalen Hurts, starting with week one against Detroit. 17, 11, 9, 16, 15, 9 against Dallas. He only ran it twice against Pittsburgh, 9 against Houston, and just six runs against Washington this past week. The last four weeks in a row, single-digit rushing attempts by Jalen Hurts after four of the first five weeks. So you want them to call more... Jalen Hurts designated runs. You think that would improve the offense this week? I think it would keep defenses on their toes, number one. Keep Jalen Hurts being a weapon, number two. And it gives him a better flow with the game when you allow him to go out there and be the architect of the run game. Now defenses have to worry about what he's doing and make him another factor in it. When you take him out of the equation, you're playing against, you know, 10 men instead of playing against 11 men. When you're playing 11 on 11, it's easier for a defense, for an offense to dictate to a defense what you want them to do. 
it's nothing more demoralizing to a team than to have a running back and a quarterback go out there and run the ball successfully again. I mean, you can't do anything about it. Ask our defense. Our defense was on the field all day on Monday night, all day. So those guys got tired. It was usually the other way around where the opposing um, defense is on the field against our offense. And we just, you know, methodically broke a team down. They got tired. You know, they got winded. Our defense got winded this time because we're efficient. We'll go down and score, but sometimes it's not just going down and scoring. Sometimes you have to keep the ball out of the opposing offense's hands. Barrett, big loss for the Eagles, certainly the game itself, but maybe an even bigger loss uh, than the final score against Washington was the fact that Dallas Goddard uh, is now on the IR, hopefully only four weeks, but we won't know that for a good couple of weeks. He's going to be out of the lineup here for a month. Uh, More passes for each of the guys that they've got filling in at tight end, more passes for Zach Paschal. You're suggesting more runs by Jalen Hurts. And, oh, by the way, when that's the case, Dallas got a very good blocking tight end, and they're not going to have him out there to do that. How do the Eagles make up for the loss of Dallas Goddard? I I like the way you put that. How do you make up for the loss? Because you can't replace Dallas Goddard and what he brought to the table. He is probably – he's a top three tight end, but he's probably – Number one is, is as far as what he brings to the table, and that's you know the totality of this of the of the position he brings that to the table. He can run the ball, maybe he can run the ball. They've shown that he can you know after catch his yak yardage is, is is crazy. That's where he's you know one of the better, if not the best tight end in the league. His yak yardage, but he can catch the ball efficiently. You know, great hands. But what's underrated is his blocking ability. He is the total package when it comes to being a tight end. His ability to go out there and be an inline blocker. Um, he could be at the traditional tight end position. You could put him out on the edge. He can block as a wing, um, a slot guy. You, he can do all those things very, very well. You can't just replace that, um, you know, in, in in the offense. So I think Shane Steichen is going to have to engineer somebody else to pick that type of role. Jack Stahl, he can run block. He can also catch. But he's not that dynamic after the catch. And that's probably the biggest thing that you're going to miss from Dallas Goddard. His ability to get yak yards after the catch. Also, his ability to catch the ball. Uh, Grant Calcaterra, he's young. He's got a lot to learn. He doesn't really know how to block as a, as a guy on a line of scrimmage and, 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 you know, block big defensive ends. He's not skilled in that yet. And we don't know what's going on with Tyree Jackson, if he's going to be able to come in. If he can block, I don't know if he can block. I know he can catch. Um, I know he's a big target. I know he can run, but I don't know what type of tight end he is because he hasn't played enough. So I think you're, you're going to see a heavy dose of Jack Stahl. Um, he's going to he's gonna be the guy in the 11 personnel package, you know, when they got one running back, one tight end. He, they're going to use him as the guy that's going to basically try to fill the shoes of, 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 uh, of Dallas Goddard. I am 100% with you. And again, this is not necessarily – me saying this is what I would do, but if I'm guessing and projecting what the Eagles are going to do, Tyree Jackson, they got no idea what he can do. He's been exactly. out of football for an entire year. Grand Calcaterra has got one really good stat. One target, 40-yard gain. That's it. Yep. That's all he's been asked <laughs> to do this year. So that looks real good on paper, but they're actually going to play the game on the field on Sunday. So I think the fans will be rooting for either of those two guys to be the guy. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be Jack Stoll. Well, 
you gotta look at too. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to just give your give your hand away. You know, what I'm saying, I mean, we're we're gonna be terrible poker players until we get Dallas Goddard back because when when Jack Stahl's on the field, you know, there's a high percentage that they're gonna run the ball and not pass. When Grant and 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 Tyree are on the field, it's gonna be a high percentage they're gonna pass. You don't want to have the defense have those major keys and and be able to dictate. You know. Um, to us, you know, all right, we know that you're going to run the ball because you got Jack Stahl and we know you're going to pass the ball when you got Grant and Tyree in the game. You know, we don't want to be that obvious in how we call our plays. So it's going to be a delicate balance on how you use those guys and and not giving up keys on what you're doing each play they're out there. And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Stahl had one catch for 11 yards and the coach felt the need to point that out in the postgame press conference. See, uh, the quarterback has faith. He has faith in Jack Stahl because he <laughs> threw the ball once for an 11-yard game. Okay. Right, right, if right, you right. Though, coach, he's got a lot of faith because of that pass. I think the coach knew full well that Goddard might be missing for some time. So he wanted to bump up his guy Jack Stahl a little bit there. All right, yeah. uh, Barrett, I want you to read on something because – I, I've been kind of out on an island by myself here with uh, John and a couple of the guests we've had. I want you to give me a grade for the performance of both Eagle uh, uh, assistant coaches, the two coordinators, this past week against Washington. How would you grade both Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen for the job they did against the commanders on Monday night? Uh, no, hey, I, 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 I would have to give them both C minuses. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you, you could in game, in game adjustments weren't very good this week, you know, and, and that's the problem that, you know, I'm having like it was Shane Steichen. I, I understand that we only had the ball for six minutes and 11 seconds, but to only have Miles Sanders out there, and give him the ball one time is a travesty. You know, that 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 you, you should be locked up and incarcerated for only having him out there in the field and having, having him on the field and only running him one time. That's totally ridiculous. And then Boston Scott got the other carry. To only carry the ball with as a running back two plays in the first half is an absolute travesty. I mean, we threw the ball way too much. Now, it was kind of – it was it was kind of um, – covered up because we were efficient we scored we passed the ball very very yeah, well you can't if, if you get the ball uh, after a strip sack and you only got 20 some odd yards go to the end zone you can't run you wouldn't want to run nine plays to exactly. get to the end zone it exactly. kind of cuts into the possibilities of what you can do offensively right and that's there there lies the problem that's an in-game adjustment that we have to make sure that we don't let happen again also from the defensive side of the ball, when I talk, look at Gannon, Gannon has to understand also an in-game adjustment, what they're trying to do to them, not just at halftime, but what they were doing to him in the first half. You know, they were running the ball consistently, but there were a couple of times where they only had 10 men on the field. It was twice they only had 10 men on the field. They were trying to get in a bare front, bare front meaning when you cover the center and both guards up with defensive alignment, and they look over and there's nobody over the center. That means you only have 10 men on the field. That you can't allow that to happen. Number two, they were running crossing routes against this defense. When you run crossing routes, you cannot, it's hard to play a matchup zone when you're doing that. They ran a lot of cover four. Cover four meaning you got the uh, two corners that have one fourth of the field and the two safeties each have a fourth of the field. What they were doing is they were running crossing routes across the field 
taking advantage of the matchup that nobody had. Um, nobody had uh, McLaurin man to man. Nobody had him was covering him, so he was just running in and out of the zone, scot free. Nobody there to reroute him or anything else. So that's why I kind of look like like um, Slay had a bad game that he wasn't. Um, I mean, he did he didn't play up to the expectation. I thought he was gonna play it, but he didn't really have a bad bad game. It looked like he was covering him on that on that on that um, crossing pattern across the field, but that was actually nobody was in his zone. So he just followed him because he saw him running scot-free and he was able to make the tackle once he did catch it. But that wasn't his guy. That wasn't who he was supposed to have on the play. So when you have teams doing that to you, you got to get out of it. You got to get to man-to-man. And when they did run man-to-man, you got to take advantage of situational football. You see Terry McLaurin on the slot and you have C.J. Garner-Johnson as the slot defender. You got to go to Slay say, Slay, hey, you come get him. I'm going to go out and get, stick whoever you have. You're going to put your better corner on. They were on the same side at that time. And all they did was run a little flag route. And it was like for 20 yards on the play because they didn't take a look at the situation, look who the personnel package was out there and just switch up, just switch guys. You're going, man, man, switch guys. Hey, you come get him. I'm going to get your guy. Yeah. You know, I'm getting you the best on their best. I'm getting the feeling, uh, Barrett, that the Eagles defense is not very flexible, that they have a way of doing things and they stick to it and they believe in it. And the belief is strong and that's good. But sometimes a little flexibility is called for. And I don't think they're showing that. Yeah, we'll see yes. what they throw against the Colts coming up on Sunday. We're going to get a Colt perspective next. Joining us here on Birds 365, Bob Kravitz. Been covering the Colts for years, does it these days for the athletics. He's going to join the stream here on Birds 365 next. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. 
The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Streaming in here on Bird Street 65 on a football Friday. Barry Brooks is for Johnny Mac with me, Jody Mac. And while we've had a little bit of an upheaval the last five days here in Philadelphia with the Eagles getting their first loss and bringing in former defensive uh, standouts to fill holes on a defensive line, and it seems like the Eagles are going crazy. Oh, we pale in comparison to the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> with what's been going on there the last couple of weeks. And wow, guy, yes. <laughs> guy who's been front and center for it all is Bob Kravitz of The Athletic. Been good enough to jump on my uh, CBS shows for uh, many a time over the last several years. They're keeping you busy in Indy there, Mr. Kravitz. Good Lord, I feel like I'm on, uh, I feel like a doctor on call. You know, <laughs> at any moment, they're going to call me, the editors, and tell me that they've changed coaches, quarterbacks, owners. <laughs> Something crazy is going to happen. That's got to be an unbelievable experience, man. You know, going there. I, I, I played one time and a coach quit halfway through the season, um, Bobby Ross, when I was with Detroit. And that was just a total train wreck because we had a coach on the staff. We had, um, you know, a guy, you know, Gary Moeller who was assistant head coach. He came in, he stepped right in, was, you know, was the head coach. I've never seen the guy straight out of the booth, straight off, uh, you know, a, a, a set uh, on, on TV and become a head coach. You know, how do you, what questions do you ask him? How do you get anything out of him? Because he doesn't know yet. He doesn't know what it is to be a head coach yet. Well, first of all, I mean, this is only had, based on our research, this has only happened once. It was in 1960 or 61 with Norm Van Brocklin. Oh, yeah, who, yeah, yes, yes. Who was the MVP in 60 and became the coach the next year. Didn't have much success, if any. Um, I think this is – I realize they won their first game against a pathetic Raiders team that has basically uh, decided to make their arrangements for Cancun already. <laughs> but uh, – I, it makes no sense to me, guys. You got you got John Fox on the staff. You've got uh, Bradley, Gus Bradley on the staff. You've got Scotty Montgomery on the staff. You've got all these guys who have actual real-life football, pro football experience. And Jim Irsay, who's – I don't know where his head is at these days. He, <laughs> he decides that he's going to bring his old buddy in to uh, straighten things out. And uh, – Again, you know, we're hearing a lot from Colts fans saying, well, he may be inexperienced, but he's our inexperienced guy. They're getting very defensive, especially after the win. My feeling all along is this is a crazy, impetuous move, uh, and I think we'll find out what what they're really all about this weekend against the Eagles. 
All right, Bob, here's the tough question. And if you don't have an answer, I could certainly understand it because guys like you beat report, you just don't have the kind of access that you used to have, but sometimes you can find a way to at least generate an opinion on something. You mentioned all those guys who have coaching experience, certainly coaching experience, some head coaching experience who are on the staff and they get bypassed for Jeff Saturday to come off the ESPN set and come in and get the gig. But they got a job to do and they got to continue to coach. And they must have done it okay last week because yeah, they bet they beat the Cancun bound Raiders, but getting a win in the National Football League is never an easy thing. How is it playing on the coaching staff right now with all these guys who are still there, still employed, still expected to do a job, but probably with a chip on their shoulder that they got no bypassed? Doubt. How is that playing within the coaching staff? Well, it's been kumbaya publicly, but you know, uh, I, you, you've got to think, you know, they're human beings. And, um, you know, for all those guys uh, to be bypassed. And, and, and Jim Irsay said if Jeff Saturday had not been available, Frank Reich would still be the coach, which makes oh. even less sense to me than anything else that's going on. <laughs> what? I mean, either, either you've had it with Frank or you haven't. And so – you know, this idea that Jeff Saturday is the only guy who could fix this mess is beyond absurd to me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I talked with Rick Venturi, who's been an interim coach twice in this league, gone 2-17 and 17 doing it, too. And he said the big thing is getting those assistant coaches on board because all of them, or most of them, have to feel like they they took the short end of this. And Reggie Wayne was asked, yesterday would you have accepted and he said oh hell yes you know now Reg, granted Reggie's only been a coach for about six seven months but there you again you look at Bradley you look at Fox you look at Scotty Montgomery you look at all these guys I mean their their play caller was the third option they asked they asked Scott Milanovic he didn't want to do it they asked another guy whose name is escaping right now uh he, he said oh uh, so they went to Parks Fraser, a 30-year-old guy who'd never called a play in the National Football League. Did a pretty good job last week, I will say. But, again, yeah. it's the Raiders. Yeah, I didn't quite understand. I mean, even Kevin Mawai, a Hall of Famer, you know, offensive lineman. If you want an offensive lineman, hell, you had Kevin Mawai there. I mean, he's a yeah. you know, he's smart guy. You know, I, I actually played with Scotty Montgomery. Um, okay. Very, very sharp guy. I, I You know what, I – I don't have, I, I don't even have any questions to ask you about what's going on up there with, as opposed to that situation. I don't know. But, I mean, as they go forward, getting back to basics, you know, he, he I think he rewrited the ship by making sure he put, you know, a good quarterback in. You know, Berenger, Bollinger, whatever his name is. Ellinger, Ellinger. Ellinger, Ellinger. Ellinger. He just I, – I, I didn't feel as though, you know – he, he's not ready just yet. And I thought he was going – I didn't understand why, you know – you guys would even take him out and, and, and put him in, you know, at the time. owner. Oh, the, own, the owner. Oh, see, I didn't the, know the, that. The, okay. Uh, I'll give you a quick, uh, a quick synopsis. Basically the owner has gone nuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he has gone completely off the reservation. He's the one who decided uh, that uh, Ryan would be benched. And he said that he, he told uh, Frank, basically that Ellinger is our quarterback for the rest of the season. So Frank comes out and says, Ellinger is our 
quarterback for the rest of the season, which was not his choice. And then Saturday comes in, and all of a sudden, Saturday has the freedom to pick his quarterback. Well, Matt Ryan has been pretty terrible this year. I mean, 11 fumbles, I think nine interceptions. He's not been good, but I'm telling you, you got a better chance of winning with with Matt Ryan at the age of 106 than you do (laughs) with Sam Ellinger, who's a really wonderful young guy uh, who's going to make a lot of money in this league as a backup. Nick Foles there? I mean, yeah, that's where I was hell? going. Uh, is Nick Foles, uh, sight on is he is still there? Is he at least showing up? Uh, I, I predicted he was going to start this game two weeks ago. Uh, n- not even a thought for this organization at this time? Not really. And and my thought was, okay, if, if, you, if you bench Foles, uh, if you bench, uh, 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 yeah, okay. Ellinger. <laughs> not Ellinger. Uh, Matt Ryan, Ryan, sorry, I had my coffee. Uh, if, if you bench him, then you go to Foles. I mean, Ellinger seemed like the last guy you wanted to put out there. Again, six-round draft pick, doesn't have an NFL arm. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he can move. He's got good legs. But, uh, yeah, it made none of this has made any rational sense. But, again, we're dealing with Jim Irsay, who's just uh, running roughshod over this organization which is something that he hasn't done. That's what's so unusual. He's been a guy who's been involved, but he hasn't been overtly meddlesome. And he has been very much that here in the last year. Wow. It's like he, um, he went and drank some of uh, the Dallas Cowboy coffee or, you know, <laughs> the Raider yeah. coffee as far as, you know, yeah. ownership. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bob, last week, uh, Jonathan Taylor goes for a buck 47 after being the best back in the National Football League, uh, injuries this year, and the ineffectiveness of the quarterbacks, the teams were stacking the box against him. Uh, how did the return to form of the best back in the NFL come to fruition last week? What did the Colts do that, uh, and or what did Taylor do that made him almost a 150-yard rushing guy? Well, they made yet another change at right guard. They brought in Will Fries. Fries uh, he's a Temple kid, if I if I remember correctly. Yes. but. Uh, uh, that, that certainly helped. Um, they, they've been using everybody, but me at right guard yeah. and left tackle. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah, their left tackle, Bernard Raymond, uh, who's a, a rookie played better, but I got to tell you, it's the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders, uh, are not good to run defense They're Uh, they can't get to the quarterback. I mean, what was nice was this is, this looked like the team that we thought they would be, that they would be balanced. They had 200 and something on the ground. They had 200 and something in the uh, passing. This is the team that we thought Matt Ryan was going to pair up with and, and win the AFC South, which is obviously uh, not going to happen now with, with the Titans and the way the Colts have started. But, yeah, uh, you know, I, I didn't see anything different from him, from Taylor, except that he had a place to run. And the yeah. offensive line was better, but again, uh, you know the difference between uh, Vegas and Philadelphia is pretty uh, pretty stark. <laughs> you, you, yeah, they they benched Matt Pryor, old guy Matt Pryor. They benched him. Oh. So. <laughs> he played three different positions and got benched at all three. <laughs> There's an ex eagle for you. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, is uh, Yannick and Gagway and and Quiddy Pay are they are they playing now? I mean, are they are they healthy enough to play? 
We'll we'll, we'll we'll find out uh, probably today. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's up in the air. Uh, Quiddy Quiddy uh, when he has played when he's been healthy has been pretty good. Ngakwe's yes. been very quiet. He has not made the kinds of impact plays in the past game that that you would expect from a guy who's had what eight sacks or more for six straight years or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Quiddy Pay is definitely making progress. He had a big game against. Uh, New England defense, you know, defensively they did nothing offensively, but um, but we'll find we should find out today or tomorrow. Mm, it's official now. Shaq Leonard done for the season, season-ending right. surgery. Um, he to me was their number one defensive player coming into the season, and he just couldn't stay healthy and or get to one hundred percent to be able to play on the level that we know he can play at. Are the Colts better because they now know he's out? Because it's kind of been, when is Shaq going to come back? Shaq comes back on a pitch count. It's it's kind of been, you didn't really know what you could get from him or expect from him. Is there a possibility that now that it's a given, a foregone collusion, he's done for the year, they'll actually be uh, better knowing that he's not going to be part of it going forward? Yeah, a distinct possibility. I mean, they're, last I checked, they're fourth in the league on defense. They've gotten some great play from Bobby uh, Okereke, uh, the EJ Speed. Uh, Zaire Franklin, uh, last I checked, was leading the league in tackles. So very good player. Some, yeah, he's, they've 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 been very very good defensively uh, in in all aspects. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it takes some of the guesswork out of it, uh, and certainly you don't want Shaq sitting in the locker room after each game uh, grousing about uh, the pitch count, which he has which he has been the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean. <clears throat> He's been dealing with this for quite some time. And I think, and the hope is that this surgery, this back surgery, you know, those are two words you never want to hear uh, in relation to a football player or anybody else for that matter. But if they can get this thing fixed, this uh, impingement, this nerve uh, impingement, then, you know, he can move forward next year and hopefully be the kind of player he once was. Yeah. I, uh, I tell you what, um, you know, just looking at Zaire, Zaire Franklin is playing his butt off, man. You know, he, he is, is the lights out. But and he's um, really a leader for that team. Oh, yeah. He, he's 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 got he's the real deal. And like I say, Okereke, uh EJ Speed have all been very, very good in uh in replacing uh Shaq. Definitely. Um how, you know, how's our old old pal uh, Rodney McLeod been playing? Has he been sustained? He's been playing good, he's been playing good, getting a lot of snaps. Uh Great in the community, as you guys know. Um, just, uh, you know, he's been a really good piece for what's been a really good defense. And let me tell you, if their defense wasn't playing well, there's no way they'd be even four, five, and one because, you know, they're averaging, what, 15, 16 points a game offensively. <laughs> so, right. uh, yeah, Rodney McLeod's, McLeod's been very, very good. Wow. I want to ask you about another uh, player who – wasn't the Eagle, but was almost an Eagle, or at least we were told after the fact he was someone that they were considering drafting. And that's Paris Campbell. Uh, yes. fourth, fourth year in the league, has never had that breakout season. Got more catches this year than he's ever had before. But has he finally turned a corner? Is he a viable guy? Because I would suggest because of injuries, missed a whole bunch of games. Right. Uh, but he's had a kind of a disappointing career to, to this point. Where is Parrot Campbell at in his development with the Colts? He, he, he's coming on. Uh, you know, he had three straight years where he had season-ending surgery. Wow. 
and just never got off the mat, never got, never got going. Uh, this year started off really slow. The last, I don't have a stat um, handy right here, but the last couple of games, including the Raiders game where he scored the game-winning touchdown, uh, he has been terrific out of the slot. They're finding more creative ways to get him the football in space. So um, finally, in his fourth year, he's healthy, knock on wood, and he's been, he's been a, you know, for, for a team that doesn't know who its quarterback is from week to week or minute to minute, he's been very, very good. All right, Bob, last thing, and we appreciate you coming on for a couple minutes with us here today. Um, I'm flipping through watching a bunch of games last week, maybe on the Red Channel, and I saw the Matt Ryan run. And <laughs> he even made a great fake on it. Looked like he was going out of bounds, turned it back upfield, <laughs> got past the defender. It looked like a spry 25-year-old going down the field, not the aged Matt Ryan. Is that now part of the playbook? Barrett and I were talking earlier. He wants C.J. Hurts running a little bit more this week. Is that part of the Colt offense, the Matt Ryan turn-it-up field running play? Yeah, Jeff Saturday said they're going to go to the wing T or something like that, yes. <laughs> so a couple of things. Since there's a stat for everything, I, I fell across this one. His 39-yard run was the longest run by a quarterback 37 years old or older since 1975. 75! Since 70 freaking oh. five. Are you kidding me? Wow, so, with the wills. <laughs> so the, the funny thing is that his wife, Sarah, uh, Matt Ryan's wife, uh, she tweeted out the video of the run and said, notice that he started to go towards the bench and said, uh-uh, I ain't going back towards the bench and came back onto the field of play. Uh. And, yeah, she, so, you know, Matt Ryan, I got to tell you guys, Matt Ryan has handled this. He was pissed, obviously. He was really disappointed and angry about the way things went down here. But he stayed re relentlessly professional throughout this whole thing. And now he's getting a chance to have a, a second act, uh, if you will, uh, here with the Colts. And I like the wife's attempt at humor. That's good. He's been on the bench. He's not going back to the bench. He turned Not going back field. to the bench. It was a hell of a run, as a matter of fact. Bob, good spot. We appreciate you jumping in with us. Uh, oh, well, what we got? What's the weather supposed to be like on Sunday? We know the game will actually be played indoors, but a whole bunch of Philly people are going out. What are they looking at weather-wise in Indy on Sunday? Looking, uh, let me check my dub, double Doppler 4,000 yeah, here. Get, get the uh, quickly punch up the Doppler for us. Cold as hell. Cold yeah. as hell. All right. That's all we need to know. Uh, but it's not getting no. the four feet of snow that Buffalo is getting. That's no, what no four feet. Of, we don't have a lake around here, so no lake yeah. effect. Exactly. Great stuff, Bob. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll, uh, get, we'll get with you again down the road. That's Bob Kravitz from The Athletic. Not only gave us good info, but a couple of yucks while he was at it. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Did, did you see the Matt Ryan run that I was? Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, rumbling, stumbling, bumbling. I mean, he looked good, though. He looked good. <laughs> he, he wasn't quite flying down the field like Jalen Hurts or uh, Justin Fields can do these days. But he made a great fake. It did look like he was going to the bench. And then he turned it back upfield, left the D-back, <laughs> grasping at air. The Eagles better not allow that to happen. This 39 yards. I didn't even know how long. I knew it was a long run, but and that's a great stat. Longest run by a quarterback of that age since 1975. Yeah, the Eagles better not fall prey to that this week. All right, he's Barrett Brooks. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll come back. We still got 15 minutes left. 
We'll uh, chat you up, Colts and Eagles. Uh, keep it here with us on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. the Colts day in and day out. Uh, Bob's been good to me. He's been coming on my national radio shows for a decade uh, and good enough to jump in with us today. Uh, setting us up, giving us some insight for the Eagles-Colts matchup. Absolutely, because I needed I, to know, man. I need to know, how do you go, how do you approach that type of situation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous that the owner dictates to Frank Reich, you will play this quarterback who's not good enough to play quarterback in the NFL, and then you bring in a guy who's never coached a day in a league and go, oh, yeah, you can go ahead and pick whoever you want as the quarterback. And he rightfully goes back to Matt Ryan, who gives him the best chance to win. Uh, one question, you, 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 because we have Bob on, you might not have been able to expand enough. 
when they had the coach quit on them in the middle of the season, Detroit Lions, when you were there, how'd that go afterwards when they named the replacement and everybody's got to adjust and you didn't see it coming? Um, it's not certainly the same exact situation what's happened with the Colts here, but how did that play when you were in Detroit? How did you and the rest of your teammates get through that? <clears throat> we almost made it to the playoffs. We we still, you know, Gary Moeller, he was a he was a good coach anyway. So he used to be the uh the Michigan head coach. He was our defensive coordinator. So I mean, guys still had a lot of respect for him, especially guys on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, we were Detroit, you know, we we were talented, but just didn't have enough to get us over the top. You know, we we had a some great players, you know, here sprinkling here and there. Uh, it was life after Barry Sanders. So, you know, it, it was everything had to totally change, you know, um, after that. But he was, he, you know, he, he he rallied the troops. The troops rallied around him and they were, you know, they were they were good to go. Um, Coach Ross had lost the team. He had lost the team. He had nobody trusted him. You know, like when when he quit, like the scenario was, look, we, we're going to play Green Bay. And we're outside practicing, and it's a foot of snow. You can't even see the lines and everything. Guys jumping off sides. You know, guys weren't focused in practice. It was just a, it was just a terrible practice. And all of a sudden, you know, hour into practice, he just started jumping up and down. Stop the practice! Stop the practice! Stop the practice! And he said, "Guys, come in, come in." And guys literally walked from like three fields over. Walked, not even jogged, just walked. Over, he's like, hurry up, guys! Guys, steady walking. They didn't, you know, they he he had lost. He had just totally lost the team. So we get there and we're sitting there in front of him, and um, you know, he's giving us a speech. You know, I give my heart and soul to you guys. And Robert Porsche started laughing, not like not like, <clears throat> but like, <laughs> I mean, laughing. And the other guys started laughing also. And he said, you know, no guys, just 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 take it in. Just, just go in. Just go in. And as he walks in, as we start walking in, Herman Moore turns around and says, hey, coach, that means we ain't got to go to meetings either. And he lost it. He just lost consciousness and fell face first into the ground. Like his hands didn't catch up or anything. He just like blacked out and fell face down into the snow. Wow. He just, you know, and, and they picked him up. We went in. And the next day he came up and he was like, you know, Guys, you know, I don't know when I lost it, but I lost this team. And you know, there were guys and you know sitting in the seats like, yeah, yeah, you did. You know, Ooh. when you told when you told me this and you told me that, yeah, you lost me here. And guys were like voicing, you know, their their disrespect uh, that he showed towards them. So they started, you know, disrespecting in front of him. They just didn't care. So he said, guys, I, I'm I, I'm no longer the head coach of this team. Um, Coach Mueller's going to be the interim coach. And most guys got up and started applauding. Wow. I've never seen a situation like that in my life. That sounds like a mutiny. I don't know that that happened this week in Indianapolis with Frank Wright getting his walking papers. It was crazy. Yeah. I also would do it, um, not the head coach, but the offensive coordinator. My last year with the Eagles. We, um, first of all, Bill Musgrave was on 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 somebody's roster the year before. He got cut in camp that year. So they brought him in as like a, a, um, a GA type of player, me, uh, GA type of coach, you know, uh, you know, goes, he writes up the, you know, the plays for practice squad and all that stuff. They, they brought him in for that. He was like the coaching assistant and halfway through the season, Dana Bible, he just couldn't get our offense right. We were horrible, man. And the San Fran game, um, 
coach, you know, coach said, look, uh, you can't be the offensive coordinator. And uh, had Bill Musgrave start calling the plays in the San Fran game. And from San Fran on, he became my offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave. Um, who was who was a quarterback? He was a he was a quarterback the year before on a, on a roster, was in camp, came to us as a consistent. He started calling the plays. <clears throat> Excuse me, we weren't we weren't much better, but that year, man, it was just crazy. That was a three and thirteen year when yeah, I was with Philly. That, that little, little painful, uh, remember? Yeah, that. yeah. All right, Barrett. Here's my <laughs> final question for you before I ask you to get on the record, make a pick on the game. <clears throat> Were you one of those who, after Monday night's game, said? You know, loss, not the worst thing. Get the pressure of the undefeated season talk behind you that uh, a loss can actually be construed as a good thing. Were you one of those guys? No, hell no. No, okay, I was good. pissed off. In fact, I'm, I, I'm just starting to calm down now from being pissed off. Not because we lost. That wasn't, that wasn't the reason. I'm talking about the reason why I was so pissed off is the nature in which we lost. We got our ass kicked. They beat us up. And I never, I never thought that I would see a situation this year where we got out physical, we got outplayed. I can understand a team being better than us, having better athletes than we do, and we get beat, or if we make a mistake every here and there, but not, not on the field. And I see people getting blocked and turning their back on the block, you know, get pushed eight yards down the field. I mean, there, there was situations where I saw guys just didn't care, you know, and and that that's that's something I couldn't accept. You know what I'm well, uh, I'd be less surprised because just in general, the Eagles are not the biggest team on the planet, specifically right. when Jordan Davis not in there. So they can get beat physically, <clears throat> and they did get beat physically, and I'm with you. Uh, th- th- there was no silver lining for me. No. Some people have tried to make it that, that oh, you get the pressure off. And I, there's, there's a possibility there's something to that, but it needs to be proven. And that right. to me is you got to go out and win this week. Because right. those who said, oh, it will be better for it because they get the monkey off their back the whole undefeated. Well, then you better go to Indianapolis and beat the Colts. Because if you don't, that narrative goes right out the window that, oh, they didn't now they don't have to worry about it. No, no, it just means you weren't good last week and you're not good enough this week. Right, right. I well, don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Eagles are going to win. Barrett, what do you think happens in Indianapolis on Sunday? Bro, I mean, and I'm not one of those guys fire Gannon at all. No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying, they better come with it this game. And I think they will come with it. This will be um, a proven game where they're going to say, all right, you know, this is the team that we have. And they beat them convincingly. I think the line right now is like seven. <clears throat> I think they double that up. They beat them like 28 to – I think it will be 28 to 10. Ooh, 28 to 10. So you see yeah. a much improved defensive effort. Absolutely. And, and I don't think that they score a lot because they haven't been scoring a lot to begin with. And I don't think they start up now, even with our defense. Now, I, I, I can't see that happen. You know, say what you want to say. They're not going to play that bad against this this Colts team. All right. Uh, I have slightly less faith in the decent defense that you do. But you said it earlier, and I think you're right. Bounce back week, Jalen Hurts. Even without Dallas Goddard, which we all acknowledge is a pretty damn big loss for the Eagles, and they're going to have to figure it out on the fly how to replace him. A.J. Brown, better game than he did last week. He played his worst game since becoming a Philadelphia Eagle. I think they will run the football more and be effective doing so. I don't think the Colts will necessarily stop it. I think the Eagles have a better offensive game. I'm going to go – this is so funny because I was always trying to put some effort into crunching numbers and come up with a score. Last week against the Commanders, I predicted the Eagles to win 31-20. Oops. 
This week <laughs> against the Colts, I'm predicting the Eagles to beat the Colts 31-20. I'm going with the exact same score I went with last week, Barrett. It didn't work last week, but I'm like Jonathan Gannon. I'm doubling down. I'm sticking to my guns. I think the Eagles win 31-20 this week over the Colts. I, I, mean, I, I, I truly think so. We are not a bad team. This is not just because we are 8-1. And people are acting like we, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. No, this is a great team. This team is very, very good. They get back to basics. They go back to what they are. You can, I mean, a zebra never loses its stripes, you know. So, a reason I say that this team will never, not, um, never be in a position where they were not able to run the ball. They can run the ball when they want to. When they decide to run the ball in the second half. They did it very, very successfully. So, yes, I, at this point, I, I am a firm believer that we are going to beat the living out of the Colts. Right. Uh, both Barrett and I have them winning by double digits. Me a little bit more offensive dominated. Barrett a little bit more defensive dominated. Uh, but the Eagles walk away with a double digit uh, point win. Barrett, always appreciate it when you hop in. I think you got four calls you got to return, so you better get to that. <laughs> Before you know it, you're going to be uh, in afternoon duties with Ellis and Gunn. Right, so. right, right, right. I got a game. I got a game this weekend. I'm going to do uh, Kansas State, my alma mater, Kansas State, at uh, West Virginia. So, oh, yeah. I'm calling that game this weekend. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, safe travels down to uh, WVU. Appreciate you jumping in with us. Thanks a lot, man. For Johnny Mac today, buddy. <laughs> Enjoy it. We'll be uh, catching you on Sunday on NBC Sports. And, oh, don't forget, later on this afternoon on Sports Take with Rob Ellis and Derek Gunn. Uh, that'll do it for us. we be out of time. Hopefully, J-Mac be back on Monday, but he's still got travel plans to work out. Uh, Johnny, did, did I make John give me a score? I think he said the Eagles don't win, but I don't think he gave me a score. Um, <laughs> Uh, Barrett says double digit. I say double digits. We'll find out uh, come Monday. Thanks for listening all week here on Birds 365. J Mac and J Mac back with you on Monday. Have a good weekend. Go Birds. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.